0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through New Beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to New Beginnings Church Online for this weekend. And uh, I just want us to start today having... Um, an attitude of thanksgiving to our God in heaven, to our Father. And we just thank Him for giving us His Word. And we see that His heart is revealed to us through the Scriptures, through the Bible. And so I want to start off with Psalm 119, verse 105. I'm going to be reading to you from the King James Version. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. And it's during difficult times like this that we need the light of the Word of God to, to shed a light on our path, to, to uh, give us direction, to bring us clarity, uh, especially during a time when there's so much confusion right now and so much turmoil. And so we're grateful for that. We thank God that he's preserved his word for us. Uh, I hope that, you, that you're just as grateful as I am for the word of God that we can go to, that we can draw strength from, that we can be comforted by, and that can give us a sense of stability. So the key scripture for this weekend, as we get into this message, is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, uh, which is your reasonable service. In other words, this is the the most common sense thing we could do, is just say, here I am. Here I am, Lord, use me. Verse 2 is where I want to really concentrate on. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Church, the the greatest pressure we face right now is pressure from the world system to conform to its way of thinking. I'm going to say that again. The greatest pressure that you and I face right now is a pressure that's coming from the world system. We're talking about the system of the world that, is not, that does not line up with the Word of God, is, does not have God's, if I could say it this way, God's best interest at heart. It is a system that is very contrary to the system of the kingdom of God. And so before I go any further with this, I want to introduce to you what the topic is for this week, I believe it's something that's very important. I'm calling this message. Who are you? If there's ever been a time in church history when the body of Christ, Christians, uh, those that have that have been born again, have been shaken, some of some of us have been shaken to the core, and and we've some people have had to step back and and take an inventory and say, what do I really believe anymore? Who am I? Uh, you know, there's so much strife. Uh, we see on television so much fear that is trying to penetrate people's minds because of the sickness and the virus and, and, and the economic uh, hardships. And, 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 and now we have all this strife trying to bring division amongst people. You've got to step back. And if we're not careful, listen to me closely if we're not careful, you can lose your identity. I think that we'll find out in the future that 2020 was known as the great identity theft. And that's what we're going to talk about. So the greatest pressure that you and I are facing right now is not really coming from a disease. It's not coming from uh, economic hardship. I don't even think it's coming from, from tension in our communities. It's coming from the world system trying to force down our throats and your throats This is the way you're supposed to believe. This is the way you're supposed to think. This is a perspective you're supposed to have on life. This is your view, how it should be uh, politically about our nation and all this other stuff. It's just crazy. We need to step back. We are faced with forces that are trying to divide us by political parties, by skin color, by ethnicity, by gender, by what you eat, pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine. I like Starbucks. You like Wawa. It's just every everything you can possibly think of to bring division and to bring strife and to make people combative with one another. And this pressure from society is relentless and it never brings unity, but it always results in division. Verse 2 of Romans 12, from the Passion Translation. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through the total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Let me read you the same verse of scripture from the message translation. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking, wow, that's the pressure. Because if we're not careful what we're listening to, we start thinking like the world system that is contrary to the nature of God, contrary to the way the kingdom of God operates. It goes on to say, instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you and be quick to respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Wow, what an accurate description of what our popular culture is like today. The world system, apart from God today, always only produces immaturity, underdeveloped, weak-minded, unprepared for life individuals. It's exactly what the scriptures are telling us. And it's exactly what we're seeing. On the other hand, the Word of God, when allowed to, always produces a spirit-empowered, ready for life, I can do all things through Christ type of person. And if I were asked to use one word to describe our society today, it would be confused. Confused. And that's not by accident. That is intentional. We shouldn't be surprised that the world is in confusion because the key word for the end times is deception. And I talked about this last weekend's message. In Matthew 24, Jesus said to the disciples, when asked, what is the supernatural sign of your coming? The first thing he talked about, he said this, take heed, that no one deceives you. Amplified version says it this way. Jesus answered them and said, be careful that no one misleads you, deceiving you and leading you into error. And my God, deception is running rampant right now. You don't know what to believe anymore. You don't know what report to to pay attention to. And I just want you to know this, because maybe this is gonna bring some comfort. Deceptions run in seasons. We've seen it all through history. The enemy produces lies that, that are fueled by deception to alter society's view of life. I'm going to say it again. The enemy has produced lies fueled by deception to alter, to change society's view of life. We see one such uh, example of this back in the early 1800s. There was a lie a, a theory that was presented and it affected life in Europe, in America. And, and that lie was this. In the early 1900s, it was this theory that came out, was called Nordic supremacy. The idea was that white northern Europeans were superior to the rest of Europe and this eventually led to the theory of evolution mid 1800s. Which led to ethnic and racial discrimination and ultimately anti-Semitism, which resulted in the slaughter of six million Jews and millions of others being considered inferior. It started with a lie. It started in Northern Europe, and it affected the mindset. It affected society in Europe. It affected the way, even society here in this nation. It affected the way the, the way people, uh, even in our nation, a, a very much Christian founded nation started to question even the word of god which led to even greater questioning in the later 1800s which led to the formation of some cults that are still with us today which eventually took hold in europe and caused a social disaster and wars which we saw millions upon millions upon millions lose their lives because of a bunch of ideas that presented themselves many decades before. The deception that's facing us right now is the attempt of the enemy to affect the church, to bring division like never before, with one goal in mind, and that is this, to divide and to neutralize the church, to neutralize the power of a praying Christian standing in authority, delegated to us by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And the goal of deception is to cause a believer to step out of his or her identity in Christ, And to begin to focus on flesh instead of the spirit. To focus on man's outer, the outer man, instead of focusing on the hidden man of the heart. Remember this, please. My biggest concern right now is that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, not just New Beginnings, the church in general, does not fall for these lies that are meant to splinter us, to divide us, to fractionalize us groups of people, so that this group doesn't want to be with this group, and this person is, is, hates this group. Just stop it. Stop listening to the world system. Stop listening to the lies of the devil. First Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel, Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. And yet, you could be saying right now, if you're familiar with that scripture, you could say, Pastor, the context of that scripture, Peter is speaking to women. Yes, he's speaking to women. But he's speaking to the spirits of women. He's speaking to the inner man. He's speaking to the spirit person. He's He's speaking to the spirit being of which we all are. And yes, in context, he's speaking to women, but the principle is clear. God is more concerned with who we are on the inside rather than what we are on the outside. And so, this message this weekend is specifically to believers, to Christians, to those who consider themselves the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me clarify something the intention of this message is not to change the world outside but to strengthen the Christian, to equip the believer in the area of who we are in Christ. Why? Because when the believer is strong, in their identity, then the believer changes the world around him or her. I'm going to say it again. When a believer is strong in their identity of who they are in Christ, when they're more aware of being God inside-minded, when they're more aware that they are a spirit being, we do have a soul and they live in a body, but when the priority is on the spirit man, then the overflow in our lives is that we get to affect change in the world around us. We, we are then strong enough, stable enough, equipped enough, empowered enough to be able to influence the world around us. When a Christian, when a believer is so caught up in their outside, so caught up in their feelings, so caught up in the drama of life, then you do not have the stability. You do not have the empowerment. In fact, you don't even care about somebody on the outside because you're so caught up with what's going on in your own life and I know there's many of us that need to be healed and I'm talking about healed emotionally I know there's many of us that your, your, your life has been fashioned and affected by hurts and wounds from the past and we understand that but God is wanting you to raise your eyes God's wanting you to open up your heart and allow him to heal you allow him to pour in the oil and the wine the Holy Spirit's power to come and affect change in you, to bring healing, to bring you out of that place of hurt and wounded, to get you to the place where you're you're stable and you're able now to bring healing and comfort to others that may have experienced the same thing. My message this weekend is to the believers, you need to be strong. You need to allow God to heal you. You need to allow God to pour into you and to equip you to change the world. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Listen up. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. When the church is built up, the world changes. But the church must know who they are first. The church needs to know who we are in Christ we need to live that. We need to breathe that. We need to eat that. We need to, we, need to, we need to just, that needs to be pouring out of us that I know, don't look at my outside. Don't look at my personality. Don't look at, at, at whatever you see in it. Look at, look at the inner person. Look for the inner person. We need to be much more aware of who we are on the inside than who we are on the outside. Paul understood this, and I thank God because he, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote to us, wrote to the church in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. This is a statement that he made, and I know this is a statement he made out of experience. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul's saying, it's not me that lives anymore. All the wounds, all the hurts, all the betrayals, all the disappointments of the past, people tried to kill him, people tried to assassinate him. Every place he went, a riot would break out. He's going, I'm not paying attention to any of that. He said, that's that's not me anymore. I I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what my past was like. God has forgiven me. I'm done with this. I'm not living my, this is what he's saying. I'm not living my life anymore. I am much more concerned with allowing Christ to live through me. This life that I'm living now, he said, I'm not living on my own. I'm living it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And you and I need to grab that and take hold of that. The cure of identity theft or the cure for identity theft in 2020 is the truth of the Word of God. We hear the heart of Jesus and His will for every believer in the prayer that He offered during the Last Supper. Right towards the end of the Last Supper, after He instituted communion and all this, He prays a prayer that extends, even though it was prayed 2,000 years ago, that prayer extends all the way down until today. Listen to the heart of God in this prayer that Jesus prayed. John 17, verse 15. He's praying to the Father about you and I. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for for their sakes... I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified by the truth. What does it mean to be sanctified? It means to be set apart. It means to be separate. It means to be put in a position of special assignment, untouched by every ungodly influence on the outside. Jesus is saying, I don't pray that you take them out of this world. I pray that you sustain them, that you sanctify them, that you set them, the disciples, you and I, all through the ages. Jesus is saying to God the Father, sanctify them. Seal them. Protect them. Surround them by the truth of the Word of God. He was praying not for us to be taken out of this unregenerate world system, but that through the preserving, sanctifying power of His truth through the Word of God, that we would be maintained in unity as believers, but separate from the world. That our identity should be established by God. Now God's plan is that once we're built up and we're established on who we are in Christ, His plan is to send us out into our world the same way He sent Jesus out into the world of His day. Our identity in Christ is part of accepting His gift of eternal life through faith. Jesus gave His life on the earth, rose again from the dead. He conquered death and sanctifies those who believe in Him. When we become followers and believers in Jesus, we lose our identity in this world and we embrace our identity in Christ. I don't know if this was your experience, but I remember when I first got born again, for, for the first number of years, four, five, six years, people would say stuff like this, man, you're not the same person anymore. Wow, you're not, you're not one of us anymore. You're not, like, you don't, you don't really, we don't relate. Yeah, of course we don't relate. I'm not in the same kingdom anymore. Now, now I, that is, I don't say that in condescending, uh, with a condescending attitude. I don't say that looking down at anybody knows. But the fact of the matter is, when you got born again and I got born again, we were taken out of the kingdom of darkness and we were translated into the kingdom of his dear son with different values, with different perspective of life, having now been influenced by the truth of the word, Of course we don't fit in. But listen, I'm not preaching or teaching, and I'm not suggesting that you and I should seal ourselves off and have nothing to do with the world. No, by no means. But you and I, as we establish ourselves in our identity, who we are in Christ, we are then equipped to be missionaries, almost like going behind enemy lines, going in to rescue them going in to influence them, but dear God, if we're dealing and battling with the same stuff that people in the world system are dealing and battling with, how are we going to affect them? How are we going to, how are we going to say, come on, come on, I found a way out of this, let's go, there's a, whole, there's a whole new life waiting for you. How are we going to do that if we're allowing the ungodly system of this world to form our view of life in 2020? If we're going to allow the world system to dictate to us how I should be looking at my brother, my sister, how I should be, how should I look at this nation or any nation, how should I look at, at how we're going to help people and how we're going to rescue people. If I'm going to allow all that junk to settle in me that is doing nothing more but bringing division and sowing seeds of hate and strife and violence. So let me ask you this question. Who are you? Where is your focus? What is the picture that you carry of yourself on the inside? It's what God says that really matters. Not what we look like on the outside. So, who are we? According to God, who are we? I'm I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of stuff to you at this point. I pray that that you could take some notes and just, just write these things down. Write down the scriptures and just go look... Go look them up yourself, please. I don't want you to receive from me something that you just take at face value. I want you to get this and I want you to go research it for yourself because when you know that truth, it's that truth that sets you free. Number one, who am I? Who am I? Who am I in 2020? Who am I in the midst of all this confusion? Who am I in the midst of all this strife and everything else and pulling this way and pulling that way? Number one, I am a child of God through the new birth. John chapter 1 verse 12 but as many as received him to them the ones who received Jesus he gave the right the ability the power to become children of God to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood nor of the will of God nor the will of flesh rather nor of the will of man but of God he is my father i am his son i have been born again by the holy spirit his spiritual lineage is way more important to me than my natural lineage I have been born from above. I have been born by the Spirit. You have experienced new life. The Holy Spirit came and brought you to life and made you a child of God. We don't we're not naturally born children of God. You and I become a child of God by the choice that we make to receive Christ. We are all creatures of God. We have all been created by God. But in order to be a child of God scripturally speaking and biblically accurately you have to make that choice to receive Christ. That's what it says in John 1, verse 12. Number two, God has already accepted me because I'm in Christ. Ephesians 1, verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, listen up, by which he made us accepted in the Beloved. I am accepted in the Beloved. Who is the Beloved? Who is the Beloved? The Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Beloved of the Father. You remember when he was baptized, that voice came out of heaven, this is my Beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You and I are in Christ. We are in Jesus. We are united with him. And so, therefore, we are accepted. I don't have to perform. I, it takes all the pressure off of me of trying to win God's acceptance and God's favor. No more performing. I don't have to do some fancy tap dance. My obedience to Him now is based on gratitude. I'm not walking in obedience to God because I want him to like me more. I want him to accept me. No, he already accepted me. My obedience to God, my devotion to God, my zeal for the gospel comes from the fact that I am grateful that he did not allow me to just go to hell. He did not allow me to stay separate from him. He's brought me into this relationship with him. So number one, I'm born again. I'm a child of God. Number two, I'm accepted already because I'm in Christ. Number three, question is who are you? Number three, the Word says that I have the fullness of God in me. Think about that. The fullness of God. So who do you think you are? Whatever the Word says, that's who I think I am. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. For in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything about the Trinity is in Christ. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. I'm in Christ. You're in Christ. If you're a believer, if you're born again, you're in Christ. When God sees Jesus, he sees us in Jesus. He sees us in Christ. If I'm in Christ and he's in me, then the fullness of God dwells in me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. I am one spirit with the Lord. Now, there is no distinction between the Holy Spirit and my spirit. We're in Christ. We've been born again. Jesus in me causes me to be whole spiritually therefore therefore, I can say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me why because Christ is in me one translation one, one, one version of the Bible says it this way I can do all things through Christ who infuses me with strength from within why because the fullness of the Godhead is in Christ Christ is in me amen number four question is who am i the answer is sin doesn't rule my life any longer who am i i'm a person who's been set free from sin i don't have to sin now i will you will but hopefully it's accidentally but that picture of yourself on the inside you and i need to see ourselves as chains being broken off of our lives free from the power of sin romans chapter 6 verse 6 For we know that our old self was crucified with him, with Jesus, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away, that might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves. The enemy, see, the enemy would love for us to live our lives still sinful, living like our old selves. But because Jesus set us free, I don't have to fall into sin over and over and over again. I don't have to fall prey to the thoughts of guilt and condemnation every time I do sin. It's been broken. The power of sin has been snapped off of your life. And, but, but you see, if you don't see yourself that way, if you're not reflecting that, then people will not see it in us. They'll not see the new nature. They'll not see the fact that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Sin doesn't have to rule our lives any longer. That's who we are. Number five, I am a special work of God. He created me with greatness in mind. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again because this is a spectacular statement. I am, you are a special work of God. He created us, listen, with greatness in mind. Not one human being has ever been conceived with the idea in God's mind, well, they're just mediocre. They'll live a little mediocre life. It was never God's intention for any human being to live a mediocre life. We have the greatness of God available to us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says it this way. Again, we're formulating that picture of who we are. We're, we're strengthening that, that, that identity of who we are in Christ. That's that picture that's got to carry us every day. But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Man, that's a mouthful. He calls us chosen. He calls us a royal a priesthood, royal priesthood. I'm a king and a priest. I'm a holy nation. We are, the church is a holy nation. We are God's special possession. And for what reason? That you and I may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into this wonderful life. How do we do that? We do that with our words. We do that with our actions. Actions speak louder than words. You see, this has nothing to do with my old nature or my natural abilities, but it rests on my new nature and my identity in Christ. I was not a special person. I have become a special person. I was not chosen. I am chosen. I was not a king and a priest, I now have become a king and a priest. I was not part of a holy nation. I am now very much an active part of that holy nation that God's called us to be. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Probably one of our favorite scriptures in the New Testament. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you realize how spectacular? Do you realize how, how, how deep this scripture is? The, the, the original language says we are custom crafted by God. There's no two of us alike. And some, some versions say recreated in Christ Jesus for good works, for, to do good things, to accomplish great things, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You talk about faith. God already designed a plan for your life and my life to accomplish spectacular things, great things, phenomenal things, before we even responded to the gospel, before we even said, Jesus, I believe in you, I I want you to be my Lord, I want you to be my Savior, before we even thought about God, he already had a plan. He already had a file with everything that you and I were going to accomplish in life. Wow, that's the picture you need to paint on the inside. These scriptures are wonderful reminders of how God sees us and what he's got planned for us. I will not, listen to me, and I hope you can make this statement, I will not be held back by what the world system thinks about me. I will move forward in the knowledge, in the light of his word, aware of the plan and the desires he has for my life. Number six, the question is, who are you? What are you about? What's the picture you have on the inside? Number six, my body is consecrated to God and reflects his image. Genesis 127, I'm sure you're very familiar with the scripture. So God created mankind in his own image in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them equally. None of this this garbage about. One gender is greater than the other. One gender is gr- weaker than the other. We're all equal God's created us. He created us in his image and his likeness. Do we have different functions? Of course we do. But we're no less equal in the sight of God. And should be no we're unequal. There should be no inequality. There should be no inequality whatsoever between male and female. Nor should there be with any other divisive titles or names. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You were not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. He's filled me with His Spirit. Therefore, it is beautiful in His sight and should be in mine. I'll say that again. My body is the temple, the housing, the container, the vessel of the Holy Spirit. He's filled me with His Spirit. Therefore, it is beautiful in His sight, and it should be in mine. Number seven, I am a spirit being. This is so important. This is so important, because this is exactly what the enemy is trying to get our eyes off of. To get our eyes on our outside, to get our eyes on other people's outside, on on other people's flesh, so that we forget or we diminish the importance of the fact you are a spirit being you are born again you have a supernatural um, uh, ability you are a supernatural being now living in a natural body I'm alive unto God my old nature is gone my new nature lives forever the question is who are you huh. Second Corinthians 5.17 therefore if anyone is in Christ who am I? I'm in Christ he is a new creation Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Galatians chapter three, verse twenty-seven. For all of you were baptized into Christ. Talking about believers now. This message is for believers. Okay. And who are you? You've been baptized into Christ. Therefore, because you've been baptized into Christ, clothe yourselves with Christ. With Christ. Verse twenty-eight. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male. And female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I live in connection to my God, my Father, my Creator. He is the potter, I am the clay. He makes me into what He desires, and I'm content with that. Because of my new status, I can put off the old nature and put on the new. Colossians chapter 3, some of the most powerful verses of Scripture. in the the New Testament verse 8 I want to read to you from the passion paraphrase but now it's time to eliminate them from our lives once and for all anger fits of rage all all forms of hatred cursing filthy speech and lying lay aside your old Adam self with its masquerade and disguise for you have acquired new creation life which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you Given you the full revelation of God. In this new creation life, your nationality makes no difference. Your ethnicity, education, or economic status, they matter nothing. For it is Christ that means everything as he lives in every one of us. You are always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourselves with virtues of God. Since you have been divinely chosen to be holy, be merciful as you endeavor to understand others. And be compassionate, showing kindness toward all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way that you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must flow through each one of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. We talked earlier and said that this ungodly world system only produces immaturity, underdeveloped, unprepared individuals for life. Yet the scriptures say here that love is supreme and must flow through each one of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. If I'm mature, I'm going to look past all of the outside and i am going to be concerned with just loving you for who you are the takeaway this weekend just let me kind of condense everything here the takeaway please please i beg you do not get tricked into stepping out of your god-given identity in christ to settle for a carnal lifestyle Focus on the outward, led by damaged emotions, and settling for an inferior life. Do not let the enemy trick you to come out of your position. And st- Instead of being God inside mind, and instead of being, having your eyes set on the things of the Spirit, to now become so obsessed with outward, with the flaws of mankind. Don't do it. Don't shortchange yourself. Remember who you are in the eyes of God. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that this message would go down deep on the inside of us and our souls, God. I pray, Father, this message, Lord. I pray, Father God, that your word, the scriptures that we've shared, God, I pray that the power of them would be released on the inside of every single one of us. I pray, Father, for those that have been unaware or forgot of who they are, God, forgot who they are, forgot who you've made them to be. Lord, I pray that this has been a stirring up experience of reestablishing and affirming who I am in Christ. That we would hold on to that identity that Jesus suffered and died on the cross to give us. And we would not be tricked by, by emotions, feelings. To be pulled out of that position to live an inferior life here on this earth, God. I pray, Father God, that this has been effective in everyone's life. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen amen. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. I pray that you've heard my heart and I've been able to communicate, communicate clearly what I believe the Word of God wants us to know at this point in our lives. God bless you. Thank you for staying connected with us online. Thank you so much for your faithful giving consistently every week. We bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.